take a seat, sit back and relax. Harry and the, the squad will be back a little bit later. Hey, um, while we're getting set up and, um, and getting a few things sorted, one thing, one thing I wanted to let you know about um, is that Beyond actually began uh, not to uh, create a church for church people and not to just bring people to church. In fact, in our mission, we say that we want to go beyond church and help people to know Jesus. And in two weekends' time, two weekends' time, we're going to have an incredible opportunity to do that in our community. I don't know if you know much um, or if you're just into demographic analysis as a side hobby, um, but, but when we look outside the walls of beyond and when we look at the Griffin community, over 80% of people in our community are under the age of 44 years old, which means lots of young children, uh, lots of young families, and lots of young adults, heaps and heaps of young people. And we really want to know, uh, this, this entire community to know that whether or not they ever come into a church, uh, a, a church environment like this, that we are for them. And so in two Sundays' time, uh, it's probably stuck to your bum, um, but there is, uh, we, we have got flyers, uh, and we are having uh, the first ever Griffin Easter event. Um, and there are three ways, three really easy ways that you can get involved. Um, if this is your first time here tonight, why don't you just come back and have some fun with us at that event? Um, or, or if you want to get really adventurous, you can take this invite, and you can not keep it to yourself, but you can invite uh, everyone. You can grab some invitations off some of the spare seats and extend that invitation to others. And then finally, uh, if, the, if Beyond is your home, if you say, hey, this is my community, we want to challenge you, don't just sit on the sidelines and consume this event, but actually step up and be a contributor and help us go beyond and help us create an incredible experience for people who may never, ever have walked into a church building or had anything to do with Christians before this event. Um, and if you want to um, become a contributor, the easiest way to do that is to talk to um, Clarissa or Jimmy after the service or come and grab me and we'll put you in touch uh, with someone who can help out. Um, if you don't know me, my name's Chris. I'm one of the communicators here at Beyond. And if you're joining us, you're actually joining us as we touch down a series that we've been doing for the last couple of weeks um, called Naked and Afraid. And uh, we've been exploring this whole idea of the path to vulnerability and what that looks like. And uh, just so we're all on the same page, vulnerability, um, we've been saying throughout this series, is simply this. It's allowing someone to look into your life in such a way that it puts you at risk. Um, not at risk in an unsafe way or a harmful way, but really what we've been saying is, we, what we do is we present an image of ourselves to the world. We present an image of ourselves to our friends, to our family, to our co-workers, and so often we present an image that we want the world to believe about us. And so if we were to get really, really honest, if we were to share some of our stories and some of our hurts, that would put us at risk, because people might not like what they hear. And maybe people would not want to be your friend after, or be in that relationship with you after you told them or after you were vulnerable with them. Now, if you're here for the very first time tonight, chances are you hear that and you cross your arms, you're like, well, that doesn't sound like fun. Well, that's not something I want to be a part of. And maybe you've been here for this entire series, and this entire series has just been one of those ones that you felt like you've had to endure, because you're like, I don't want to be vulnerable, I don't want to put myself at risk, I want to push back against it. Um, and if you would fall into that kind of category, um, I, I uh, reckon that one of the reasons why is this. Because you grew up, like so many of us, to believe that vulnerability is a sign of weakness. And no one likes to feel weak, right? And so, so you believe that, well, I don't want to be vulnerable because I don't want to appear to be weak. Um, I can only 
talk from a, a, man, a male perspective. I'm not going to mansplain anything to the ladies tonight. So from a guy's perspective, um, guys, um, we do this all the time, okay? We pretend not to be vulnerable all the time. And if you don't believe me, just ask your girlfriend, ask your wife, ask your mum, ask your sister, ask a female who knows you. Because we do things all the time when we get lost, and we don't ask for directions. Why? Because we know where we're going to end up. It's just a little shortcut. Okay, guys, we do things all the time where we have instructions for IKEA boxes or like new power tools, and the first thing we do is throw it away because we'll figure it out, right? Because we maybe grew up to believe that vulnerability is a sign of weakness. And the truth is that vulnerability, a lack of vulnerability comes at a high cost. A lack of vulnerability will cost you something at the end of the day if you choose to be one of those people who go, well, I'm not going to get anything out of this series. And the cost is this, surface level relationship. If no one ever discovers the real you, people won't actually be able to love the real you. And so all of your relationships will stay right on the surface because no one actually knows who you are. They just know the image that you present of yourself. Now, it's really important um, to kind of clarify this, that vulnerability actually isn't a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength. Because it takes a huge amount of courage, it takes a huge amount of strength, it takes a huge amount of determination to share a part of yourself with another living, breathing human being and not know how they're going to respond. Far from being vulnerable, vulnerability is not a sign of weakness, it's actually a sign of strength. And more so, that strength actually is not the, uh, isn't the goal of vulnerability. Strength is not the goal of vulnerability. Having courage is not the goal of vulnerability. There's something else at play in the mix of this because emotionally healthy people are vulnerable. So you think about this. If you were to think of someone in your life, that person in your life that you would identify and say, you know what, they're an emotionally healthy person. If you were to peel back the layers of their story, what you would find is as they went through stages of life, as they come up to critical moments in their life where they had to make big decisions, what you'll discover is they always had a person or a group of people that they could be vulnerable with, that they could share honestly and openly the challenges that they're going through and get wisdom and seek advice from them because emotionally healthy people know that you have to be vulnerable. You cannot be emotionally healthy without vulnerability. And just in case you're kind of thinking like, Wow, he's really like telling me to like tell everyone everything. No, I'm not saying that. That would not be smart. What I am saying is you don't have to be vulnerable with everyone, right? That's what emotionally unhealthy people do, okay? Emotionally unhealthy people are vulnerable with everyone. But you do need to be vulnerable with someone. You do need to have someone or a group of someones in your life who you can begin to be vulnerable with. In fact, there was a guy, he lived... Um, over two and a half thousand years ago, you've probably never heard of him um, if you're brand new to church. If you are new to church, maybe you've heard of him. His name was Solomon. Um, he was actually a king. He was ridiculously wise, and he wrote a whole lot of his wisdom down. Um, we actually have it collated and collected in this book that we call Proverbs, which is in the Old Testament part of the Bible. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, um, I just recommend for people who aren't followers of Jesus, just pick up the Old Testament, turn to the book of Proverbs, and then just read a chapter a day. There's 31 chapters in the book, so you can like read it over a month, or you can read like one chapter uh, every three days and just do it over three months or something. But Solomon has so much wisdom in there, 
so much benefit that it, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, it will make your life better from reading the, some of the teachings of Solomon. But Solomon, two and a half thousand years ago, he kind of picked up this link between emotional health and vulnerability. And he highlights it in, in, this, in, uh, in Proverbs, and he says this. He says, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. And the reason he says that is because when a friend wants to wound you, when a friend wants to say perhaps something uncomfortable, hold you accountable, or have that really difficult conversation that no one else will have, a friend does it facing you in the like eye to eye. And so you know that it's coming. You know that it's going to be a difficult conversation. And you know that because your friend knows you and cares about you and has taken the time to sit you down and have a conversation with you eyeball to eyeball, that although it may hurt, although it may be difficult to come to grips with what they're saying, their goal is actually to help you grow. Their goal is actually to help you deal with some of those things that maybe you didn't want to deal with. Whereas an enemy, they just tell you whatever you want to hear. They don't have the courage, they don't have the strength to, to hold you accountable because at the end of the day, they don't really care. And so Solomon is saying that it's like many kisses from an enemy because your enemy tells you to your face, hey, you're doing great, everything's fantastic, everything's fine, and then they stab you in the back. And you never see it coming. And you never knew, knew it was there. And what Solomon is kind of driving out here is really what we're going to talk about tonight. And it's really what we've been talking about for this entire series has been leading up to, to tonight. And really what Solomon is saying is that God leads us through the path of vulnerability to lead us to the land of emotionally healthy. And this, this whole series, we've been talking about how to become vulnerable, how to walk down that path. But our goal is not simply for you to be vulnerable. Our goal throughout this series is for you to become an emotionally healthy person. Because believe it or not, God is an emotionally healthy God. And there are two things that make up, or two major threads that you'll see floating through any emotionally healthy person's life, and they're these two things. Self-awareness and safe relationships. Self-awareness and safe relationships. Safe relationships, because when you have safe relationships, when you have people that you can be honest with and who can be honest with you, what happens is self-awareness increases. The problem with self-awareness is that you can't know, uh, you, you don't know what's in your blind spots. You can't address what's in your blind spots until someone tells you, until someone brings it to your attention. And that only happens in the space of safe relationships. You, you would have heard us say over and over and over again, maybe until it's become monotonous here if you've been with us for a long time, that circles are better than rows. Circles are better than rows. We say, yeah, we love creating awesome environments where we can um, come together and we can have conversations about faith, but circles are better than rows. Because in circles, you can find safe relationships and you can grow in self-awareness. And more than that, when self-awareness and safe relationships aren't present in your life, vulnerability will be absent. Without safe relationships and without self-awareness, your level of vulnerability won't be there. And we're talking through tonight with our team. We're kind of saying, hey, you know, how can... How can we really help tonight be super, super practical? How can we help people develop self-awareness and how can we help them develop safe relationships? And more than that, how can they learn and how can we help them not just develop it for themselves, but also be someone that when someone is vulnerable with them, 
that they're a safe person to be vulnerable with. That, that you have the tools and you have the ability to be a safe person. And when someone starts to tell you something, you can, you can be a safe person for them. And we thought the best way to do it was to have a conversation. And, uh, and so I want to invite up two uh, really important people in a second, or really, uh, everyone's an important person, but two really cool human beings. Um, one, uh, his name's Nathan. You're going to find out a little bit about his story. And the, uh, another person is Pat. You're going to find out a little bit about his story. But uh, I want you to uh, put your hands together, because you can be get uh, a little bit nervous standing up in front of a group of people if you don't do it all the time. So why don't you put your hands together for, uh, for Pat and Nathan? I'm going to move this TV out of the way so that we can... We can see your beautiful faces. There we go. All right, I'm taking over the message, guys. <laughs> you can, uh, yeah, you can pull up a pew. Pat, we're going to come to you for that comment last. I'm just kidding. It's in the script. Oh, um, yeah, we rehearse this. But uh, Nathan, we're going to start with you, because um, for people who who don't know you, or um, uh, or people who have kind of just come since we've come to Griffin, um, you were actually part of our launch team at Beyond. Um, right back three and a half years ago at Living Faith, and now you're part of the AM community. Um, so you're part of our community, even though people might be like, who's this Nathan guy? Um, but you're actually a psychiatrist. So could you tell us, like, for someone like me, like, what's the difference between a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a counsellor? Because maybe some people kind of loop it, lump them all in together. So what's the difference, and what drew you to that? Uh, so look, the, the fundamental difference um, is that we as psychiatrists start out as medical doctors, so we do all okay. of our medical training. And then we do another five or so years in um, mental health training after that. So you're real smart. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like to pretend I am. <laughs> we use big words. Okay, yeah, all right. That's the trick, is it? Okay, cool. Oh. Nathan's also one of the sound guys in the morning too, so he just comes on stage pre-prepared pre with, um, with batteries. No, you're right. You, you do you. It's great. Efficient. That's what we like. Yeah. We wouldn't want it to be perfect. That would miss the whole point of being vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There we go. There we go. All good. <laughs> All right. Um, so what drew me to psychiatry? Um, when I started medicine, I actually wanted to do pediatrics. Okay, um, so children. So children. That's another big word that... Yeah, some yeah sorry. Yeah, okay. you prompted me before. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so... When I started doing peds, I found that I enjoyed the more social paediatric side of things. Yep. Um, so looking at, you know, developmental issues. Um, and that led me to think about uh, the mental health side of things. Sure. And I ended up then just changing path, going down um, psychiatry. And once I became a psychiatrist, I then did some further training in child and youth psychiatry. So, yeah, okay. um, so you specialise in child and youth Specialise in child and youth, yeah. Yeah, right. So, well, it, it's kind of interesting because you're essentially like a professional person that people come to and that they are vulnerable with. And so you're trained um, in some of the, you know, you have a lot of different training to kind of be aware of, of how you are vulnerable. Um, so when, when you kind of talk to people, what do you see as the biggest thing that stands in the way of someone, like, like all of us, being a safe person that someone else can be vulnerable with? Yeah, look, I think, um, I, I, reflecting on this question, it's um, really interesting because when people come to see me, they kind of expect to be vulnerable. Um, you know, it's an expectation of coming along. And we actually have a, a term for that, it's kind of the frame of what we do. Mm -hmm. um, but there's parts of that frame, I think, that are really helpful if you want to be a person who, you know, other people can be vulnerable with. And 
Probably the biggest one is, is the sense of confidentiality that goes with coming along to see a psychiatrist or a counsellor or a psychologist. Um, you, you know when you're going to be vulnerable that that's where it's going to stay. So it's almost like it's, it really is safe because before no one has to have the conversation, oh, by the way, don't tell anyone this. That's right. Okay. Um, so I think, you know, if, if you're a person who's kind of known uh, of being maybe a little bit loose with the information that you're given, um, and I'm sure there's another series in that for you, Chris, uh, yeah, somewhere yeah, along we'll the way. Gossip yeah, gossip series. Yeah, gossip series. Um, <laughs> uh, I think that that can be a, a big barrier to then people feeling that they can come to you and, and be comfortable with you. Yep. Um, look, another thing that I thought of uh, is this idea of boundaries. Okay. Um, and I think knowing where your own boundaries are and, and when it's you know when you hear something that might need to go somewhere further um okay so uh, so when you say boundaries you mean knowing the things that you can deal with and exactly. the things that um oh well, i'm just dealing with this because i want to be a nice person even though i have no idea how to handle this yeah scenario. and i think that that can ultimately get in the way of people coming to you and being vulnerable if they know that you know you're getting over your head or you yep. get anxious or nervous about what's what's being told to you so sure. Knowing where your limits are is, is probably another important part of that. Well, something you kind of you highlighted was that uh, a lot of the people who come to see you, uh, you have no experience with. Um, they're, they're coming. They're kind of essentially, um, they know this kind of environment. But for a lot of us, if someone was to be uh, to be vulnerable with us, we would know that it's probably a friend, probably someone that we know, maybe in a group or at work or whatever. And so I th uh, there, there is maybe a tendency for us to kind of go, well, I know your story. I know everything that kind of is going on. I'm going to fill in the blanks. Um, how do we um, kind of not, I guess, bring some of our own personal assumptions to conversations that we have with our friends when they do begin to open up with, to us? Yeah, look, I think that's a really difficult one when we, when we make those assumptions about the person sitting across the table from us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've got that tendency to maybe fill in gaps, make assumptions about how, how they're thinking or feeling. Um, and, and that means that sometimes you can miss what's really genuinely going on for them. So I think, you know, asking lots of questions, um, being aware of what's going on for them and being aware of when you're making those leaps. Um, okay, so almost like asking those clarifying questions when yeah, you're definitely. not 100% sure. Well, even if you think you're 100% sure, yep. sometimes it's better to ask the question and then get the confirmation that, yeah, I did have that right, yep. rather than, you know, making that assumption. Well, because I remember when we um, got coffee before, when we were kind of like working through um, this conversation, you sort of said that you, even though uh, you're a psychiatrist, one of the things that you learned was you actually had to untrain yourself from being so focused on yourself um, when you help other people. What are some tips for us? Because we haven't had that training. Like we probably think like, oh, I'm always others focused. I'm always thinking about other people. Like what are some, what are some of those things and what can we do to kind of avoid that? Yeah, look, I think certainly, you know, your active listening skills, and I won't go through those. You can YouTube it or uh, find someone. There'll be a book somewhere on active listening skills. Um, one of the big things for me when I was uh, having to come out of that kind of very medical model, uh, which is, you know, we're, we're trained, we know the diagnosis, we know what's going on with you and your body, and, and here's what we need to do about it. Yep. That kind of that untraining was to go, well, actually, I'm not an expert in you. I, I don't know, you know, how you react to things. I know how I react to things. Yeah. Um, so, so help me understand you. Help me understand your experience. Um, so asking those type of questions, I yeah, think, Yeah, so and I really guess that's probably, probably difficult, particularly for, for husbands and wives in the room or people who have known each other for a long, long time. It's always like, well, of course I know that for you. Definitely. Because you're the expert on the person, right? You're best friends. If only. <laughs> <laughs> and so how do we become aware of when we're doing that. Because it's one thing to say, like that's really easy to be like, oh, well, like let's just leave and be aware of when you fill in the gaps and when you're making assumptions. Uh, how do we become aware? Like what are, the, what are some of the 
indicators that we're doing that. So I think, you know, when it is someone you do know really well, you will get it right most of the time. Mm -hmm. But I think when you see that, when, or when you feel that there's a disconnect or, or someone's shutting down, yep. um, or they're, they're staring off into space, um, it, you kind of get that feeling, I'm not connected anymore. I, I, I'm not... Yep. I'm not on the same level, I'm not on the same path as you. Um, and it's, that's, if you recognise that, it's a good time to go, hang on a second, I've just noticed this in myself, I feel like I'm a bit disconnected from what's going on for you at the moment. You know, what, what's that about? And so when we, when we recognise that, you use this great word when we were having coffee, I loved it, it was like curious, like being curious. Be and curious. It, and so it's almost like being present enough in the conversation to recognise, hang on a minute, there's a, there's a disconnect forming, um, and I'm curious about that disconnect as opposed to, to just going, well, I assume. Um, what, what's a way, or are there a couple of ways, or do you have any thoughts on um, how we can be a little bit more curious in some of our conversations this week when, when we start to notice that disconnect? I think it's about being deliberate in these type of conversations when someone's coming to be vulnerable, being okay. very deliberate. Um, you know, when I go to work, I, I, I think about putting on that work hat, and I'm going to be deliberate when I'm in that session with that person. You yep. know, this is focused listening. It is focused on what's going on for them. Yep. And I think if you're having this, you know, this vulnerable type of conversation with someone, it is about being deliberate and then being deliberately curious about what's going on for them. Yeah, okay. Well, I love. I like that. That's, that's a lot. Of, there's a lot in that. Pat, you've just How been sitting we? there looking good. <laughs> you've been sitting there looking good. Oh, you flatter me too much. Yeah, I like it. I like it. He doesn't even like public as well. Try to hold my hand. Well, this is public. This is not like this is, yeah, this is not like a <laughs> VIP access. Um, Good point. Now you're not a psychiatrist. No. No, you're as not. As much as I could put but, it on. <laughs> but we had the we had the like I had the privilege of getting to know you as a as a leader, as a person, um, all of that sort of stuff. And so we've journeyed through life a little bit together. A lot of shouting coffees. A lot of shouting coffees. A lot of good coffee. Um, and I remember towards the back end of last year, there was a particular situation or an experience that you really felt some of the discomfort of that goes along with vulnerability um, that we've been talking about all throughout this series. So do you want to share just a little bit or briefly or whatever you feel comfortable to share yeah. what, that, what was going on, what was that situation? Well, um, it's December 2018. Um, gee, I'm like doing this like a journal. Um, <laughs> nah, basically it was a very impactful situation that my family didn't really, wasn't really prepared for. Yep. Um, one of our figureheads, like just you know, one of our phenomenal wi women. Yep. Um, my yaya, Spanish for um, grandma, rather than you know Omar and Opa. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, she passed on um, last December, which you know you, you, you don't really like come to terms with. Like every single time I'd go to like visit her, I'd remember her always like kind of like digging into me, being like, "Oh, you, you got a girl yet? Like, there's no ring on your finger, clearly." <laughs> and I'm like. Yeah, yeah, like, okay. she's European. Like, of course she wants me to get married at, like, 16. <laughs> but I'm like, come on, like, I, I would invite you to the wedding so you'd know, like, if I was married. And, um, you know, like, just reflecting on that, it's just kind of like, when something like that's taken away, it's hard to be vulnerable for anyone because, I don't know. It's well, I can imagine as well, it's, it's like, it's December, right? So it's also, yeah. it's also Christmas time. Everyone is super happy. There's three birthdays out of, like, my siblings in December as well. Okay, so not, like only, <laughs> not only has your grandmother passed away at the, happy, yeah. the, the most wonderful time of the year, but then you roll into straight into three birthdays. And my sister gave birth, like, two days after. <laughs> Let's just add that in there. Okay, so there's, a, so and, all, and all of a sudden it's almost like, well, you shouldn't, you don't have the right to feel upset. You don't have the right to be yeah. vulnerable a little bit because there's all this great stuff happening. So what was it exactly that, that prevented you or that was the barrier for you 
being vulnerable? Um, I don't know. When you're like in a huge situation, you know when you take that like step back and you try to like observe the situation, take it like l as logically as possible if you can. Um, yeah, just kind of viewing and seeing a whole lot of hurt people, but as well as like wanting to be there for like every single person you care for because that's just natural, right? But at the same time, you feel like you can't quite be there for them if they can see you're not doing well. It's kind of like, no, no, I'm all good. Like, you talk. It's, it's so fine. you're essentially like, kind of putting on a front that, oh, I've got it all together. I'm dealing with it fine so that I can help you yeah. grieve and deal with what's happening. Like, I guess, like, your whole family who's grieving, you kind of look around and you're like, well, someone's got to... You, you, like, put yourself in a role almost that, no, like, you got to ask yourself, it's like, who told me that I have to be the one that has to be... Mm. all okay for like this period of time who told me i have to like you know be yeah, quiet who, who told me i can't experience yeah and feel um, what i'm feeling then you find out it's you and you're like oh it's like that spider-man meme where it's like you and then he's pointing <laughs> back at you and you're like this guy like, oh she was and you use, you know, you use humor to cover it up as well uh, so in the that's one way <laughs> in the midst of that as we were kind of like doing life together at that point in time i remember you said that there was a moment where it all sort of I guess this whole idea of, you know, having to be the safe person um, kind of came to a head and you felt the ripple effects of that decision to, to not be vulnerable. Like, what was that and how did you feel in the midst of that moment? Um, well, like, put in perspective, like, that moment was, like, one night, just, you know, driving with one of my um, bestest mates and then kind of, like, pulling it out of me, just being like, hey, how are you? And that's like, oh, yeah, I'm good. And it's like, no, how are you? And that's like, I'm good. <laughs> and um, then them saying a very iconic um, statement to me where they were kind of like, hey, like, this is like, you know, like, one, like pretty much my best friend. And they were like, hey, like, I don't know where you're at anymore. Okay, wow. And I was kind of like, oh, sweet. <laughs> like, no worries. Um, but no, that was, that's just like particularly rough because, you know, like the closest person to you that you would expect to know everything about you doesn't know where you're at. Which leaves you with just you. So you, you felt you felt a real big sense of almost the fallout of your lack of vulnerability. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, like the fallout of like pulling on that image that you feel natural to do and that you tell yourself that you're meant to do. Like it's this whole thing of you trying to help yourself, and then you end up shooting yourself in the foot, and you're like, ah, oh, like this sucks. <laughs> so, um, so when you when you notice that, right? Because I I know what you're like. You're someone that when you actually when you become self-aware, when you address those, when you yeah. see the blind spot, you want to do something about it. So what, what for control, you, yeah. take control, Always. right? <laughs> Still want to be the safe person. So what did you begin to do um, to kind of, to step along that path of vulnerability to kind of end up in, a, in the place or move towards the land of emotional health? Um, understanding that you can't always be that, you know, well, that, it's just a huge lie saying you like, you know, like, oh, I'm that safe person, which means that nobody has to ask me about how I'm going because it's like it's a big pride thing. Like mm. um, it's kind of saying, yeah, I'm the safe person. Like, look at me. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. in a very twisted way. So um, would you, would you say it was almost like in acknowledging the areas where you were weak? Yep. That was that was what led you to emotional health. Could you could you could see what parts of your life you needed to begin to address? Yeah. Like it's it's huge when you kind of have that self awareness where you kind of pull yourself aside and you're like, hey, listen, like, like. <laughs> I'm not doing anything for myself right now, so why am I not accepting help from everyone else if mm. I'm not doing anything for myself to begin with? Like, yeah, wow. It's kind of like coming to terms with yourself and 
Yeah. And so, what what's the result, right? Because we're we're in we're in April, so that's a that's a, a significant chunk of time. Yep. And what what's been the result for you of at least moving along uh, down that path of um, of vulnerability and moving towards that place uh, of more emotional health? I guess like catching yourself. Um, you know, like you know when you say something, you re like you repeat like a mannerism or something like that, and then you kind of like, oh, gee, like why did I do that? <laughs> like and you, you go to sleep looking at the ceiling, wondering about that one thing you did that day. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, sure. But no, just catching yourself and like just making yourself accountable, but also electing people who know you the most, who know you through and through, to also challenge you on where you're at. Like, are you being real with me? Type. Of Type of thing. So it was becoming more aware of, of your triggers for when you may be yep. heading down a path of, of not emotionally healthy, but then also having a group of someones in your life who can say, hey, I need you to, I need you to hold me accountable to, this, to a standard. Yeah, 100%. That, like, it's, it's amazing when someone like, calls you out on some things. Like, as much as at first you like, kind of get like, up in fists with it, you're kind of like, oh, gee, they actually care about me enough that they would go the extra step to say, hey, I've seen you go down this path before what is going on like and that helps you kind of repeat that behavior that someone's kind of it's like handing someone like a hammer and being like here you go you can now get that nail yeah because like i didn't have that hammer to begin with and then mm. them calling me out reflects on me and makes me kind of call myself out yeah that's cool in a positive healthy way no, rather I, than the negative ones it's <laughs> kind of like what solomon was was talking yeah. about earlier and and um and i just want to thank you because it, it's a big deal to kind of get up in front of a group of people and uh and share part of your story so thanks thank you so much thank for doing you, that we, I'm, I'm sure everyone else here appreciates that as well um we do have this thing i do want you to help me as we wrap wrap uh -huh. up tonight as we move toward in that direction because we have this thing if you if you've never been with us um we want everything that we talk about and discuss not to just be something that you sit back and you go oh wow that was really cool and then you know it and then you leave and it never changes your life um and for us we we always want it to be um uh, we, we kind of package our application in the version of a full monday Pat, do you want to lead us to the full Monday while I straighten the TV up? Full Monday, uh, while Chris straightens the TV, he takes a while sometimes. Um, just like pick that person who like you know would believe would call you out, and just kind of go like, hey, what is it like being on the other side of me? Because sometimes you know they might actually not even call you out at all because they might not know where you're at to begin with. Mm. Like it's it's huge when like you kind of ask someone's like, hey, what what is it like being on the other side of me? Because for example, like I didn't even need to ask that question, which is a blessing in itself. But if, like, I don't think I ever, like, would have if I, like, knew of it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's, well, one of the things that you'll discover when you start to ask this question, and you, when you ask it with your friends enough uh, to a point um, that, that you don't even have to really ask it anymore, is you'll discover three things about yourself. The first thing you'll discover, um, you'll discover some surprising information. Because you'll be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that about me. That's, that's not a thing. Um, the second you'll discover is um, you'll get some encouraging information. Because the person across from you will be like, hey, there are some things that you're doing better than what you actually think you're doing, right? Because they see you in a completely different way to you see yourself. Um, and the third thing, which is kind of often the reason we don't be vulnerable, is you'll get your feelings hurt, right? If, you're, if the person sitting across from you is really, really honest, they will tell you some things that you do not like about yourself and you'll have to address them and you'll have to begin to move forward. But you'll never experience vulnerability um, like what Nathan and Pat were talking about tonight unless you begin to ask this question regularly and unless you start to experience um, those three things. And so tonight, what, what we really hope that you take away, I mean, you, could, you can take away so much from what Nathan has shared and so much from what Pat was shared. We were talking 
before the service. We said we could probably do 12 for Mondays, but we just kind of had to break it down into one for you. But really, we hope that what you'll discover across this entire series is that, is that God actually uses or leads us down the path of vulnerability, not to just be vulnerable for the sake of being vulnerable, but lead, to lead us to a place of emotional health, to lead you to a place where you can have the best relationship with your family, the best relationship with your friends, with your girlfriend, with your boyfriend, with your husband, with your wife, with your co-workers, and ultimately, so that you can experience the fullness of life that is found in Jesus and in a God who is, an, who is emotionally healthy enough to take our place on the cross. So as you leave this week, begin to ask that question and begin to walk down that path of vulnerability, embrace the discomfort because you will land up in a place where you really want to be. So uh, why don't we thank Pat and Nath, hey, because it's a big deal to come up here. Thanks, guys. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pray really, really quickly as... Uh, as the band starts to make their way out. But let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for, um, for the opportunity to listen and to hear from, from other people, um, from other people who, are, who have gone through training and who have um, had to train themselves not to focus on themselves so much. We thank you for the wisdom um, that Nathan was able to share with us tonight. And we thank you for the vulnerability that Pat displayed. We thank you that, uh, and we pray that we can learn a little bit from his story, because there's, there's parts of all of our lives that we're not proud of, and we're, that we're not happy about, and that we wish we could kind of just delete that chapter. But the truth is, Lord, that you actually want to do something with the chapters that we're not proud of, and you want to tell us that we don't have to be defined by our past, but we can, be, we can move forward into our future with a hope that is placed in Jesus. But it begins, it begins and it all starts by embracing that discomfort. And so, Lord, I pray this week that people would begin to embrace that discomfort, that they would begin to uh, walk down the path of vulnerability, not for vulnerability's sake, not for discomfort's sake, but so they would arrive at the land of emotionally healthy. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.